and welcome to Legal Voices, Meritas' official podcast channel where we bring to you industry-related legal updates. In our latest series, Mario Torres, lawyer at Meritas member firm Brazo Seller and co-chair of Meritas' Latin America and Caribbean Cannabis Law Group, interviews lawyers from around the world to learn more about how each jurisdiction is handling cannabis and marijuana legalization. Before I hand it off to Mario, and for those of you who are new to Meritas, Meritas is an established global alliance of closely connected yet independent law firms that each offer a full range of high-quality specialized legal services. We were built upon a rigorous system for monitoring and enhancing the quality of our member firms and have been connecting clients with carefully qualified business legal expertise in over 250 markets around the world since 1990. Welcome everyone to the eighth episode of the Meritas Cannabis World Tour. Over the next five episodes, we will remain in the continental United States. We will begin this part of the series with Colorado and our affiliate in Denver, Fairfield and Woods. Today's guest is Gil Selinger, who is chair of the corporate department in Fairfield and Woods. And he has an expertise in various corporate and commercial matters, including cannabis law. Gil, welcome. Okay, so welcome Gil Selinger from our Meritas affiliate in, in Colorado. Gil, how are you? I'm doing well, Mario. How are you? Uh, loving the summer and uh, <laughs> waiting for the world to, to, to turn around, but, but I really cannot complain. Good, I'm so glad. So Gil, let's jump right into it. Uh, we know, um, or most people will know, that Colorado was uh, sort of one of the first out of the gate, uh, or probably the first out of the gate in the U.S., uh, along with or shortly before Washington State. What does legalization look like now? I, what are we talking, seven years later? What, what does legalization of cannabis look like in Colorado uh, today? It's actually almost 10 years. Um, we legalized uh, marijuana for recreational use in 2012. So um, just in January, it'll be 10 years that we've, uh, that it's been legalized here for recreational use. Um, you know, t- today it's it's really the, the way the laws are changing and the way things look is, is all about sort of the minutia and it's really about the fine tuning. Colorado has been at this for so long and then there was about 10 years before that, that the, of um, medical marijuana before it was uh, legalized for recreational use. So our state has a very robust system of, uh, of enforcement and laws and regulations and all of the things that are developing right now are really about fine-tuning those, about addressing certain populations or certain problems that have arisen and trying to find the sort of statutory or regulatory solutions to whether it's banking or whether it's access for medical patients to certain types of things or whether it's mental health or other things like that. So just to, to understand a little bit, what for and, and you know the sort of benchmark that I have or the point of reference that I have is Canada and and we have separate uh, regimes let's call it for for medical versus adult use is that similar in Colorado so if you're a medical use patient do you source your cannabis from different methods than you would if you were an adult use user How, what does that delineation look like there's absolutely a divide um, in Colorado that, that if you're a medical patient, you have a bunch of different avenues that aren't sort of retail in terms of how to acquire whatever cannabis that you want to use. And that might include giving the rights that you have from your medical provider to grow plants to somebody else to grow for you. It might be growing your own stuff, or it might be still shopping at a place that's specifically carrying medical product. And all in, in Colorado, every plant from the moment it's seeded 
from the moment it's put into soil, it's either going to be medical or it's going to be recreational. It can't be both. Mm -hmm. And that means everything that comes from it. So that means if it's being sold, you know, for the plant itself, it's being made into some sort of tincture or concentrate or some sort of edible. Everything that derives from that original seed has to be designated either medical or recreational from the very beginning. And so then when a patient or, or a consumer is shopping, they're going to be shopping at different places. It might be the same store, but it'll have two completely different entrances, one for, for the, the patient, medical patients and one for the recreational users and a different access. And they, don't, they may see each other on the way in, but other than that, it's a completely different process. Um, and in Colorado, you know, part of what has been extremely successful for the state as a whole has been the sort of taxation regime that we have on the recreational use. There, is, there are not taxes except for some sort of low-level fees to just sort of keep the system up for medical patients. But, but recreational users pay pretty hefty taxes, and the state has benefited very greatly from that. And so what I would maybe understand from that is that there's separate licenses for medical cultivators, uh, you know, medical uh, retail store operators, and they're like, you need a separate license to sell to, to cultivate for medical purposes and sell to medical patients than you would for recreational? Yeah, in Colorado, there's sort of different tiers of the, the licensing. And so part of it is cultivation, part of it might be processing. And then a, a place that's selling to a consumer, yes, would have to have two, if they're doing both, would have to have two. A cultivation center might not need two separate licenses if they're growing both at the, at the same place. We can get a license that sort of encapsulates both. But there's there's just sort of these different levels, cultivation and growing. Then there's concentrates, then there's edible and other um, similar products. and then there's the actual retail dispensary licenses to sort of sell directly to the public. Interesting. Um, and, and so let me ask you, you know, you've been 10 years and legalization is, is certainly uh, established in, in Colorado. Is the industry, I don't want to say matured, but, but what is the status of the industry? Like, do you have industry players that have been there from day one and have gotten stronger? Do you have a sort of mixed bag, some new entrants? What, is, what does the industry look like for, for industry participants from, from your, you know, from, from where you're sitting? Sure. Uh, when Colorado first legalized any form of cannabis, when it was medical and then inc including when recreational was, was legalized, there were a lot of limitations as to who the owners could be limiting ownership to Colorado residents. And there were exceptions, but for a long time, the sort of capital markets related to the cannabis industry were limited based on residency requirements. Those were slowly lifted. And then last year, right before the pandemic happened, the state passed a new law. And there's an article on my website that I've written that anybody's happy to look at at fwlaw.com, but um, where I, I analyzed the changes that were made that allowed outside investment into our market. So it included out-of-state out residents, it included public companies, included Canadian public companies. So there has been a really major shift in the last 18 months here about a, a larger influx of larger players, multi-state operators, multinational operators, it might be somebody based in Canada, where they are coming in and sort of doing a big mergers and acquisitions. They're buying up licenses, they're buying up operations and sort of consolidating them. Before that happened in the last you know, 18 months, I think that there was in the sort of almost 20 years of, of cannabis legalization in Colorado, there were like the sort of the pioneers who went out and, and did it all Im immediately. And then there was sort of a 
a period where a lot of them sold out. I think they saw that their abilities to grow the business on a sort of multi-level basis with multi-locations and all the, the ways the businesses were growing, that they maybe didn't have all the skills or the desire. And so there was this shift of the sort of, you know, one or two guys which open a location to then it being sold to a, a Colorado corporation that was opening multi, multiple locations. So there was some sort of consolidation of the market then. And then the, the market is consolidating further now that there is this ability to bring an outside investment that's not doesn't necessarily reside in Colorado. So I think that, that we're moving towards seeing a lot more chains. I mean, there's a, there happens to be one chain in Colorado that really likes to buy old McDonald's. So you drive by and you know what a McDonald's looks like because McDonald's all look the same everywhere in the world. Well, you drive by these places and you expect it to be McDonald's from far away and it's a dispensary. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, folks are uh, are creative. That's for sure. So, so you know, you mentioned it, Gil. You got twenty years of legalization, one from or another, which is which always begs for me the question: How did Colorado get to be at the forefront of it? I, I've heard different stories in different jurisdictions. For example, in Canada, we had a a gray market, let's call it, that was uh, created through some court challenges and. Uh, let's call it uh, selective non-enforcement and that sort of stuff. And, and then and then we went into a, a commercialization model of medical. And so that's the Canadian story in, in a very, uh, in, in a nutshell. Um, but I've also heard different, for example, in, in Colombia or in other countries, they see legalization to the extent that they've done it as creating a new industry that will provide jobs and opportunities. What prompted Colorado to really take that jumper or, or, you know, be first out of the gate in that sense in, in the U.S., especially considering that it's uh, unlawful or was unlawful and still unlawful federally? I mean, I think that there's a couple of things. I mean, Colorado has always been a, a fairly... I, I say use the word progressive and I don't mean it in a political way. I mean it more in a just sort of like advanced thinking kind of way and open to new new ideas. And I think that there was some acceptance in the general sort of medical community that there might be uses for cannabis. Um, and there had been um, attempts to legalize it. And it's, it's just to back up, it's all been done through vote through the vote of the voters in Colorado. It's been done through constitutional amendments to the constitution of Colorado. So it was advocated by members of the populace and then they put together groups that included, you know, legislators and business people and doctors and all of it. And I think that all of what you said as the goals were part of it, but originally was addressing some specific patient needs that they felt the medicine was not necessarily addressing, but the, the voters of Colorado approved it. and and. You know, a big part of it also was that the sort of trade-off was at least the, and it, it has evolved over time, but the initial deal with the public was that all tax revenue that was associated or fee revenue when it was just medical, when there weren't taxes, but everything went to our schools and our parks and recreation. And for schools, it's for um, building schools. It's not funding them. So the, the to any extent that anybody thought that sort of it was balancing the good and the evil, the good you know, sort of seemed to win. And it had been on the ballot a couple of times and lost and got um, narrowed into sort of how it, how it worked when it was first legalized here, but it was done by the voters every time. 
And, you know, then the, then the legislature got burdened with trying to come up with the rules and regulations. And like we talked about earlier, it's taken a long time to sort of smooth all those out. And, you know, honestly, the, the comments I made before about opening up to investment, Colorado ended up, while we were very early and everything else, we were one of the last ones to do that. And so if you start to look at some of the states in the United States on the West Coast, California, Oregon, Washington, Nevada, all of them were allowing outside investment much earlier than we do. We did. And a lot of people in Colorado actually feel like there was a sort of the, the industry sort of got stymied by some of the regulations that prevented outside capital. No, and that really leads me to my final question, because that's a really good trajectory, let's call it. And you mentioned earlier that the stage that Colorado is in now is fine-tuning what it has established, and, and again, established through what I understand, a very clear voter mandate. What changes can we see? And you mentioned a big one now, 18 months ago. What changes can, can we expect to see in Colorado, or do you think the industry would need or would like in the coming months and in, in, in a couple of years? I mean, what, what we see in the coming months right now that's in front of the governor and the, or that's in the legislature right now really relate to a lot of them have to do with potency, um, restrictions on potency, restrictions on the amount of cannabis that any consumer can buy, whether they're medical or recreational, fine tuning how much somebody out of state can buy in any one sitting. So it sort of that, controls. It, sorry, just like like increasing the the uh, number or decreasing the the amount that can be it, it, uh, potency because those are issues that we see here in Canada as well. So the, 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 there is some big concern in Colorado that there that the concentrates that are being made out of the cannabis plant are too potent, possibly dangerously so. So there is a, a debate that's going on right now. The bill that made it through part of our legislature, see, the, the general consensus is, is it's too too restrictive and it lowers the potency too far and will and it will affect medical patients. So it's really this balancing that's going on about like what's too much and what's too little. So that's part of the but but the potency battle is generally lowering it. It's just a question of where the cap is. And then the plant or, or volume count issue has actually gone down because it was really, really big for medical patients for a long time. Like they could have a, a really large, they could go and buy a really large amount of marijuana at any one time. So that's being reduced a little. The amount for a recreational adult is being proposed to go up a little. So it's sort of just balancing like who can have how much when. And then they're also trying to establish a, state, a statewide system that can enforce that because in you know there's there's a statewide system for for medical cards but other than that there's just sort of laws that all of these dispensaries have to follow and so you or i could go into one place and buy our maximum and drive down the street to another place and buy your maximum and those places aren't talking to each other because there's no there's no system no state clearinghouse to say that that, that you know gil or mario have already reached their limit for today and so part of, so that's one of the other things that's in the works is trying to, you know, sort of get everybody in the same network so that they can better understand what the, pu the public is doing. And it's also part of, you know, trying to make sure that it stays being used recreationally or medically for the purpose intended and not criminally. You know, no cartels not leaving the state, all the things that people worry about, the changes that are being made and proposed are to lock that down a little bit more and make sure that those sort of loopholes are avoided. And my apologies because I interrupted, but you said, wh where okay. is that bill? Where is that bill now? Or 
There's a couple of different bills that I sort of just glommed okay. together when I was summarizing. Okay. One, there's one on the one that deals solely with potency for medical patients is on the governor's desk. I believe that that there is a pretty hard push for him to veto it and for it to get reworked. Um, the ones that relate to the the software system and the sort of clearinghouse, that's I believe past one half of the legislature, but that's expected to go all the way through. All of them are, are in this this year's session. I don't know that all of them are passed yet, but when you read sort of what the lobbyists are saying and the people that are helping writing, you can sort of tell the ones that are likely to succeed and the ones that might have to go back to the drawing board. But the ones that I summarized for you seems to be the ones that are most likely to take effect. And sort of the last little piece here, Gil, is do you see room for industry growth in Colorado? And, and one of the reasons I ask is because in Canada, specifically in Ontario, we're seeing retail stores opened, they removed the cap, and now there's hundreds of stores, not all equally geographically spread out. So you're seeing a real concentration of some stores in certain cities and certain areas of certain cities, so much so that people are saying, hey, we're going to have to have a little bit of a you know, a pullback here because there's too many. So, so, so some people are saying, you know, we also see licensed producers sitting on thousands of grams of unsold cannabis. So some of them are going to have to start pulling back production potentially. Are there some of those issues that, that Colorado has dealt with in the past? A little bit of a sort of maybe people got a little bit too far ahead of themselves and had to pull back or uh, are you now sort of at a, you know, sort of stagnant or maybe stagnant is not the right word, but sort of just at cruising altitude and this is what it'll be like for a bit or what are your thoughts on that? I think that it's mostly that, that it's reached the cruising altitude part. When medical was first, or I'm sorry, when recreational was first legalized in 2012, there was definitely like a, a supply demand lag because of what we discussed earlier about um, each each plant having to be designated as medical or recreational from the get-go. And so there was this lag that recreational got legalized. These places were opening, but they didn't have time to grow the plant to sell to meet the demand. So I think that it was more of a, a scarcity than um, a, a problem of uh, overabundance. The real problem in Colorado has related to zoning and real estate. Um, and so they're part of the ability of local jurisdictions and uh, municipalities to restrict the ability of cannabis in any form to be, be sold has to do with it, their ability to sort of control their zoning laws. And the, the laws on the state level sort of require distance requirements from schools and daycares and places of worship and, uh, you know, other similar police stations, fire departments, things like that. There, has, there are distance requirements. And so what that really does is it creates a sort of patchwork of places where there's plenty of room because of there's no schools because it's a warehouse district or something like that to have a bunch of these things and then in the middle of the neighborhood you don't see any of them and so i think that like you're saying there are places where there's a lot of them there's places where there's not but the point that i'm getting at is that for the most part at least in the sort of urban centers in colorado you know denver and it's very vast suburbs boulder and it's very vast suburbs colorado springs and it's vast suburbs most of the real estate that could be used for the purposes of anything to do with selling cannabis in any form are already occupied by either already a cannabis business or, or something else and they can't get in there. There tend to be more there tends to be more availability now in more rural Colorado of, of warehouses and outdoor grows or, or greenhouse grows that are being built because out there there's more land and there's less people and there's less restriction. But when you really look in Denver proper, the 
and those other cities I mentioned, the availability of real estate that is zoned and permitted correctly for either retail use or even um, cultivation is very limited right now. The ones that in Denver, they're sort of warehouse districts. A great example is the area that's by Denver's old airport. Denver had an airport that closed uh I'd be pressed to tell you when um, in the late 90s, um, but the area near it was just full of storage warehouses and no homes. A large portion of them were vacant at the time that the sort of legalization happened and then and the cultivators and the operators came in and rented them all out. And so there are these areas where it's just vast numbers of like uh, along the interstate, just you know that all of these uh, these warehouses are just full of marijuana operations, but they filled them up. And there's no more and there's no more places they can go. So that's why I sort of the ultimate answer to your question is I think it's sort of just like a steady, even keel. And, you know, as the real estate market changes and there's more availability for them to expand, I'm sure some of them would like to. But generally, they're limited because they can't find new places to grow, to grow their business, not to grow, grow the plant. <laughs> gotcha. No, that, that makes sense. And I think, you know, after, in, in, like you said, after 10 years, you sort of start to see what that market will bear for that particular industry. And, and uh, I think you guys are, are getting there and I'm sure there'll be further developments. And, and as you say, as things get fine tuned and, and people, the regulators have the opportunity to improve things for both patients and, and the public, uh, they'll probably take steps to do so. Gil, this has been really informative. Really appreciate your time. And uh, my pleasure. I'll, Thanks I'll for having chat me. chat with you again soon. Absolutely, Mario. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you very much, Gil. That was Gil Selinger from Fairfield and Woods in Denver, Colorado. For more information, please go to fwlaw.com. I'm Mario Torres from Brazoseller Law in Ottawa, Canada. Thank you for joining us. On behalf of Meritas, thank you for listening. Find this week's show notes and a variety of other free resources on the News and Insights section of the Meritas website, www.meritas.org. Be sure to join us next week to learn more about cannabis regulations around the globe. Thank you again for listening and have a wonderful day.